you're responsible for coordinating a, a lot of our services that serve those communities and also the nurses based in the likes of Shetland, Orkney, West Niles and so on. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Fantastic. Okay, I want to get that right. Also with us today is Dr. Antonia Reed, who is a GP with 20 plus years experience, currently working on the Black Isle. Hello, Antonia. Hello, Lisa. Hi. You're also Clinical Director for Out of Hours NHS Highlands. Yes. And that means you, you know Billy. I do. We work together quite closely, coordinating service, um, working on feedback from both sides. Um, and as changes to services happen on both sides, implementing those. We'll come back to that point um, later on, actually, during the conversation about the fact that you do have to liaise so much. Um, but first of all, I'd like to, to start off by asking you both to, to tell me what are the challenges in terms of looking after yourself in, in remote and rural communities? Is it that different to, say, somebody living in Finiston on the outskirts of Glasgow? I would say it's very much different. Um, People always assume that living in a rural community um, is the good life, but actually we have real levels of fuel poverty, so... Talking 24, a health and information podcast from NHS 24. Hello and welcome to Talking 24, the podcast where we talk all things NHS 24. I'm Lisa Dransfield and today we're going to discuss the challenges of looking after your health and well-being if you live in some of the more remote and rural parts of northern Scotland. It might be rugged and it might be beautiful, the landscape may be dramatic but that presents all kinds of challenges both in terms of looking after yourself, your family but also for uh, NHS services to provide the care that you might need. Joining me today is Billy Tonieri, who is one of the most senior clinicians in NHS 24, a nurse with some 30 plus years experience and one of the, the senior clinicians based in our Aberdeen contact centre, our North contact centre. Hi, Billy. Hi, Lisa. Uh, Billy, you the distances that people have to travel even to get to their own GP or to get to a shop or to get to a dentist can be a real issue. Um, people are often working several different jobs to make one job, whole, whole job. Housing can be an issue. Um, these beautiful places tend to have very high house prices, meaning that local people can find themselves living in substandard accommodation or caravans. Um, specialist services are generally quite a long way away, and that may influence decisions as to whether or not to attend. Um, and also, strangely, access to good food and access to exercise can be difficult if you're living in a very rugged area um, where you've only got a small shop um, to provide all of that. Mm. Would you say? Would you go along with that? Yeah, to totally agree. I mean, I think you touched on it. The things that make these places beautiful and pe why people want to stay there is actually the challenges in delivering healthcare and actually uh, looking after yourself. Uh, the example I always give is where is the nearest Tesco? For, uh, and there are other shops oh. <laughs> available, but um, whereas it might be for you and I, a five minute, 10 minute, even half hour journey, it can be hours for people to go and stock up on even the self-care remedies that we so often advise people to do. So when you're limited to getting uh, 32 paracetamol at a time from your local supermarket, uh, if you've got a family of four and you only go to the shops once a month, that, that won't go very far. So there is the challenges in, in terms of just, as Antonia says, of actually getting places. And what about delivering services to people who face these, these challenges? Um, it's often 
trickier because it's hard to provide the same range. Um, having recruiting staff to live and work in very rural areas is is quite difficult. Um, if you've got very small number of patients, you can often find that a service is a visiting once a month service, whereas if you lived in a big urban centre like Inverness, it might be there five days a week. Um, so then people miss out on, on getting it. Um, and we are still quite doctor reliant in a lot of these places because the doctor can provide a lot of those services, but not everything, um, rather than, than diversifying as we are doing into physios and pharmacists and nurse practitioners elsewhere. People tend to be really self-reliant though. All, we talked about all those challenges and, and it, we make it sound like the good life is anything but the good life. But actually people in remote and rural communities tend to be really community focused. So they look after one another and that sounds like a cliche, but it's true. And also they, they have a level of resilience, which is admirable, don't they? Yes, we do. I mean, I think it's always a red flag of somebody from our remote and rural community phones NHS 24 because certainly in my mind, why are we phoning? Because actually uh, these are communities that tend to look after themselves, as you say, Lisa, quite, quite well and will only phone when we really need help. And we in turn also recognise that the number of calls that we get from rural practices or rural areas by comparison to the general population is lower. So we actually have it as a statement that we give to doctors who are going to work in these rural areas that if they receive a call, there is an expectation that they will see the patient and that they do not re-triage because the threshold for calling is so much um, higher in rural areas. So am I understanding this right? If somebody... Um, the, the driver for somebody in a rural community to, to call 111, NHS 24's out-of-hours service, then be referred into your local out-of-hours services, is that much higher that you know that, that, that they really need help, if you like? Yes. The, the chances of somebody in a rural area being sick is higher than it would be in an urban area because they will have reached a higher threshold before they picked up the phone. That's not always the case, but it's sufficiently the case that we would suggest to people going to work there that they think about it in a different way. That's really interesting. Really, really interesting. So so you both provide a different part of that that kind of process, if you like, when somebody calls 111, the out of hours part of it. Now, can we just explain to anybody listening what we mean by out of hours? Because I think it's kind of means something slightly different to different people, doesn't it? So um, out of hours refers to the period after six o'clock in the evening until eight o'clock the following morning and then all weekend, Friday evening, Saturday, Sunday, um, your usual routine GP practice will be shut during those times and services are provided by the health board to local communities. And we talked about services working collaborative, Billy, um, as one of the managers providing the 111 service. What does that actually mean? So if somebody dials 111, what happens? Okay, so the call will be answered initially by a call handler. Okay, he'll take them through some immediate questions, okay, and would come to an outcome. Now, there, there may be many outcomes in that. One might be, okay, we need to refer this call straight on to the ambulance service. We may have enough information to refer them directly on or give self-care at that point, depending on what they're phoning for. Or 
it would be uh, either go straight through to a nurse practitioner for immediate triage or we would await a call back and that call back would be within one, two or three hours. Once we triage the call fully, uh, we would then send the call electronically on to Antonia and her team Okay, who would take it, look at it and allocate the resource in the local area to, to deal with that patient and that patient's needs. So the NHS 2411 service in that sense is almost a gateway into the local services that, that you as the clinical director are responsible for. Is that right? Yes, it is. Yes, yes. Um, sometimes people in very rural communities um, or across a lot of the north of Scotland find it difficult to believe that phoning a central national number will provide them with a service close to home and that you could understand possibly where they're coming from. But actually, we do have quite a good understanding. We work closely together yeah. mm -hmm. on the systems. But also, NHS 24 know that anything that comes from this area just gets referred back to our local hub, and then we will manage it out to the local service because we know what is there and on the ground. We all breathe a sigh of relief at the first signs of spring. But even when winter's behind us, it's important to be health-wise. So this Easter, check when your GP surgery is open and don't run out of your repeat prescription. Order only what you need in plenty of time. Visit nhsinform.scot. Earlier on, Antonia, you were talking about how much you have to liaise with Billy. Not that that's a problem, Billy. Obviously, it's always a joy <laughs> to work with you. <laughs> Why did you just roll your eyes? <laughs> that's a joke. She did not um, and, and that, I presume, is that, that you're constantly reviewing how the two services work together, how 111 feeds into the out-of-hours services that you're responsible for. Now, you might think the service was designed at the start back in 2002, as Billy describes it, and that, and that was it. It was decided then, that's the template. But that's not the case, is it? No, we've had quite a number of, of changes. Um, the two new GP contracts, first in 2004 and then in 2018, have provided changes in that the, the GPs used to provide their own out-of-hours services to their own patients. Um, that's no longer the case. Out-of-hours services are now the responsibility of the health board. Um, so we continue to have changes where we now have one practitioner covering several practices or bigger geographical areas. Um, and we have had recently an island community being covered by the adjacent island with nurses on the island rather than um, by someone resident there. So we have to integrate those services into NHS 24 so that your staff know that they're dealing with part of NHS Highland and that it is an island or that and what to do with that so that they know that anything that comes in in the NHS Highland Health Board area goes to Highland Hub and that we have that knowledge then to send out the appropriate resource to that person. So it sounds like you're having to do a lot of adaptation and and a kind of mix of skill sets to make sure that each area is covered. Is that, would you say that's the case? Absolutely. Um, we've, we face a number of challenges in terms of GP recruitment. Um, so we've been changing models, moving to multidisciplinary teams. So um, it may be a nurse practitioner or it may be a paramedic practitioner that somebody sees rather than a GP. There is always a doctor in any team that covers an area, um, but that doctor may not be immediately available. Um, so yes, it's it's quite different up here. The the idea of nurse practitioner, Billy, you're a nurse practitioner, and yeah. at uh, NHS Twenty Four, we're now recruiting um, advanced nurse practitioners, yes. and mm -hmm. we've got some trainee advanced nurse practitioners um, as, as part of the multidisciplinary skill set that Antonia's been describing there. 
what exactly is a nurse practitioner? It's kind of more than the old days when a nurse was seen as somebody who just basically looked after people and mopped their brows. I mean, the, the skills for a nurse now are really advanced, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, even since I started way back in the 80s, the, the skills that we've given nurses um, are immense and what we had um, when when I started way back in the 80s it was maybe more of the softer skills the observation skills now we're becoming more more of the skills and maybe slightly more technical uh, in terms of uh, simple things like venipuncture uh, nurses are now moving into what we call non-medical prescribing so instead of relying on a GP to provide a prescription the nurses uh, a lot of nurses are now prescribing, whereby it would traditionally always have been the GP. In terms of the nurse practitioners in any, within NHS 24, these are nurses who have got experience on wards, community placements, and face-to-face with patients. Um, and we take them and we train them in terms of telephone triage skills so we can assess as to actually what's physically going on, going on with that patient over the phone, hopefully, and then decide on the best course of treatment from from there. And that's changed the nature of the relationship between doctors and nurses, hasn't it? It's become much more collaborative than it perhaps used to be. Absolutely. Um, on the on the ground, we have nurse practitioner, advanced nurse practitioners and GPs working alongside each other. And as they understand each other's skill sets, and we've expanded that out, um, all advanced nurse practitioners in NHS Highland are prescribers. They've all done advanced examination courses so they can see, treat and manage pretty much any condition that will present in the out of hours service. Um, similarly to a GP. There are one or two exceptions to that, but we have provision for that cover as well. And I think that's important when you're looking at terms of people in the, specifically the remote and the rural areas who have had an accident of some description or have fallen, say, hurt their arm, uh, whereas traditionally we would have sent them direct to the nearest A&E. And as we've discussed earlier, the, the difficulties in terms of getting people from place to place, uh, the, the GP or the advanced nurse practitioner can go out, stabilise, give pain relief if appropriate, and then arrange forward transport from there, or if it's something like maybe a bad laceration, etc., uh, stitch it and discharge them from there to save that travel into uh, an A&E department, which may be an hour, hour and a half, two hours travel away. It seems to me it's all about flexibility and adaptability. And we talked about collaboration specifically between NHS 24 and NHS Highland because we're here today. But Scottish Ambulance Services have a crucial role to play in all of this, don't they? Absolutely. Um, we A lot of the calls obviously go straight from NHS 24 to the Ambulance Service. If they feel that uh, a local review would be helpful, they can contact the Highland Hub directly and get the local doctor or AMP out to review the patient to avoid transporting someone to hospital who doesn't need to go. Um, they also, if they are struggling to respond in a timely fashion, will ask the local GP or AMP to go. Um, and likewise, if we have something that is very urgent that um, we need help with, that they will come along. Um, and increasingly that collaboration happens more both in hours and out of hours um, as we try and have all the resource that we have in a rural setting working towards the same outcome, even though we are three separate health boards, we do all work together on the front line. And of course, the um, the other partner in, in all of this is 
is the patients themselves, the people. And I know that both NHS 24 and NHS Highland do quite a lot of community engagement work. I hate that word engagement. You talk to people, yeah. you listen mm-hmm. to what they say. Yeah. Um, and, and that's ongoing, isn't it? Yes, I'm very familiar with many of the village halls of the north of Scotland. <laughs> As um, I know you are there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and it is a listening process as well as us going out and telling. Um, there are definitely communities where I've come away realising that I hadn't understood properly. Um, as you drive into a community and you appreciate quite how high and quite how snowy the Bialatnabar can be in this time of year, um, or even in May, um, you do understand that. Um, listening to them saying things like, well, we might consider being first responders if we knew some first aid. So actually just organising a simple first aid course um, or simple heart start courses then allows people to have that little bit of knowledge and feel more comfortable about moving on. So, and that again, that's working alongside the ambulance service. Yeah. yeah. And you do a lot of that, don't you, on behalf of NHS 24, Billy? You're, you're our kind of northern engagement. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, as Antonia says, and it's fine sitting talking about it in the abstract here, but you drive up the west coast of Scotland and you think, right, I want to go there. Now, it might look only maybe half a mile away, but actually you've got to drive around a lock to get there, which might be an hour and a half's drive, and that is part of the challenges of uh, delivering healthcare in, in these areas. Uh, and so it's really important for, for the organisations to get out there and to to really understand those challenges. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things I wanted to ask you both was um, kind of looking forward to the future now, because we've established that there's ongoing collaboration and communication between both the providers and the people who, who receive these services to make sure it's a constant process of improvement. Um Obviously, things don't always go right, and sometimes people quite rightly have feedback that's not necessarily positive, but can always help in the future. One of the things that people talk about a lot is technology. Do you think that will change things in remote and rural communities? I mean, it already is. I mean, NHS 24 didn't exist 16 years ago, so people can now phone up a number and and get triage over the phone. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we are making advances with that. I mean... It is dependent on the infrastructure that's out there in terms of 4G and superfast broadband, etc. But um, it is coming along slowly. NHS 24 has got its own app and NHS Inform, which is can give a, a mini triage and best course of action from there. And we've got the, is it GP Anywhere? Um, we've got NHS Near Me. NHS Near Me, yeah, mm-hmm. which is getting rolled out across Highland. So um, we've invested quite heavily in Near Me because there's huge benefits for rural communities. Um, initi- at the moment, we've got quite extensive coverage for outpatient appointments. Um, so this is um, via either a fixed computer, a laptop or an iPad. And we've just installed an iPad in Rasse um, so that the, the patient turns up for their appointment just like they would if they were going to an outpatient clinic um, and they virtually log in with the the receptionist who's at the main desk in the hospital um, and then go to their appointment um, so they don't have to travel at all. Um, They potentially could do it from their own home. Most people choose to go to, at the moment, a a health centre or or some point. Um, It saved many thousands of miles of travel um, and the feedback has been very positive in just in terms of people managing to spend time together in their last years of life rather than spending hours on the road going to oncology appointments. In terms of out of hours, that's our next step. Um, being 
the decision to travel or the decision to contact um, is is quite a tricky one if you're a 40 mile drive from where you're going to be seen and it's a child. So a video rather than a telephone will give us a huge amount of information. The the quality of the near me um, link is so high that you can look at the person, you can look at rashes, you can um, almost count their breathing rate, you can look at the colour of their skin. You, these sorts of things give you lots of information as to whether this is somebody who needs to travel and needs to be seen, or in fact, are they so unwell that we need to get them out of there very quickly um, without delaying things by making them travel? Or in fact, can we give them proper reassurance that that's okay until the morning to see their own GP? Um, and in certain sites, we also have remote access to um, medication, which can be administered. So with that level of information and having seen the patient, we could say, well, actually, yes, what you need is this. And there is a way for somebody to access that that medication from where they are without having to travel at all. That sounds fascinating. If somebody wants to find out more about NHS near me, is there a website they can go to? Is they um, yes, there's a, there's part of the NHS Highland website. Um, the the, the technology is called Attend Anywhere, but NHS Highland are calling it Near Me. So click onto the NHS Highland website to find out more. It's fascinating. Technology really is making a, a difference to people's lives from the telephone, the 111 service through to onward video consultation. Um, it really is the future. Antonia and Billy, thank you very much for joining us today. Now, before you go, our next podcast is about health myths or what used to be called old wives tales but we're not allowed to call them that anymore because it just sounds a bit wrong um so i remember as a kid one of the ones that we were always told was an apple a day keeps the doctor away have you got any personal favorites and i've not teed you up with this so completely fine if you say i can't think of any off the top of my head um i think i think the one that people quite often come to see me about is that they got very cold so then they've got a cold um and that's not true is it well, I suppose you could say that possibly if you were extremely cold, it might have lowered your immune system, but going out on a cold day is not going to make you more likely to get up. So my mum used to say, wrap up warm, otherwise you'll catch your death. Yes. Like death yeah. was something that you caught. <laughs> so that that sort of thing, um, that that's quite a common one where I say, well, no, I don't think it probably was the fact that you were out for a walk yesterday that meant you got this. It was probably when you bought your paper and somebody sneezed. Yeah, probably. Uh, thanks for that. That's what we'll be talking about uh, in the next edition of Talking 24. That'll be with the uh, NHS 24 Medical Director, Dr Laura Ryan. Hope to see you then. Goodbye for now. <laughs>